Dente Rigamortis. I'm Review Cultist, and tonight we have a very special guest. Oh, hello. I'm Adam from the Roleplaying Exchange, and it's a pleasure to be here. And we're here to discuss those internet stories, most creepy and most pasta, and be critically silly doing it. And tonight, for our Hobovember episode, we're doing My Uncle's Bizarre Encounter in a U.S. Intelligence Agency on Reddit No Sleep. <sighs> um... Yeah, those Reddit no sleep upset entries <laughs> and the <laughs> long titles. <laughs> it, it is quite a um, mouthful, and yeah. I appreciate you having me on for this because this is a kind of a conversation that we started at Gen Con this past year, and it kind of been a project ever since then. Yep, yeah. When when I found out that uh, another podcast that I listen to is a fan of my podcast, <laughs> um, so. The uh, yeah, my uncle's a bizarre encounter in a U.S. intelligence agency. I'm just gonna say my my uncle's bizarre encounter. That sounds good. <laughs> uh, uh, is by um, M C Dex, uh, like capital M C D lowercase e x uppercase x <laughs> on Reddit. Um, gotta love those oh, internet yeah. names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much uh, so. And I actually yeah. encountered this on YouTube. It was on a, a channel that I can't seem to find at the moment. Listened to the audio, fell in love with the story. It seemed like it would be rich fodder for you know a role playing game. So you know, had to yeah, look it up. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, um, I will. Um, I'll leave a link if uh, if you can find it. I'll leave a link in the description. Okay, we'll do. Uh, cool. Uh, and yeah, we are. Um, uh, yeah, so it's uh, so it's a story. About a hobo. <laughs> um, well, not just about a hobo. It's it's narrated from a uh, an ex uh, U.S. intelligence agent talking to their nephew. Uh, is it nephew or niece? Or I guess it's, it's a nephew. It could be either. The, yeah. So okay, yeah. we have uh, kind of the frame story of a character retelling a story that was told to him by his uncle, who was a member of some U.S. intelligence agency, who is now. I don't know if I'd say convalescing, but he's in his uh, uh, later point of his life in Australia, just living with his yeah. sister. Yeah, because he's been well, he's been gripped with a terminal disease, uh, lung yeah. cancer, I believe. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so we're we're told the story um, from the the nephew uh, that were how he was told to it. He like remembers it as best he can. Yeah, and so uh, it starts off with. Um, uh, Bob, which is the uh, the uncle, yeah, uh, getting uh, getting taken with his uh, or getting taken to a uh, to another like part of the agency with uh, his boss uh, Corky, yeah, to deal with a uh, an agent who's kind of gone a little nuts. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul is what his name is, but he's na he, but he's the reason why he's gone crazy is because everyone's calling him Paul, and he says that's not his name. Yeah, uh, and it all it's... stemmed from yeah. Sorry, and actually, Corky isn't the boss's name. Nor is Bob. Nor is Bob. Yeah, so no one has real names here So at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, those are just really to kind of keep, like, uh, the names um, uh, concealed. And so, like, because it's a U.S. They're, they're part of a U.S. agency yeah. and stuff. Um, and and, and but, they even mentioned in the beginning that he can't tell you certain stuff because of it. 
this occurred just right after the Cold War ended. So yeah. late 80s, early 90s, perhaps a uh, timestamp. I can't remember my history too well on that. Yeah, I think it was in 92 or something like that. It was when the Cold War mm-hmm. officially ended. Um, but yeah, old habits die hard. So yeah. secrecy and secrets and lies. <laughs> Less on the lies, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it turns out that Paul, the reason why he's frustrated is because Paul, like everybody's calling him that, but it's not his real name. And it all stemmed from a encounter he had with this homeless person living in a, uh, an abandoned tenement building that they wanted to demolish. Yeah. Um, he was basically doing a favor for, for a friend in the FBI, um, or, pl- was it the FBI or was it just- it's police force. Yeah, police force, yeah, um, to try and scare the guy out. But when he went to go see him, uh, he tried to get him to leave, and the guy said that, like, uh, he said his, he said his name, and the homeless guy was like, no, that's not your name. You're a Paul. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then and that you was, need to go. <laughs> the, and then that was, like, the end of the encounter there, and it just seemed yeah. like, well, I tried. And then yeah. when Paul returns back to his daily life, almost immediately he starts noticing little things that are wrong, such as the name on like his office door has changed. The mail that he is receiving is addressed as Paul, and everybody starts calling him Paul, and it just accumulates up into this encounter, well, until he actually has a break and he is being detained in Corky's office so till they can yeah. figure out what to do with him. Yeah. Um, and... Corky's able to calm him down a little bit, um, leaves, and then they, they're going to have to, like, get him, like, some psychiatric help because obviously he's gone, uh, he's, he snapped a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then that's supposed to be that. Um, but then I believe, uh, Bob gets a phone call from Corky. Yeah. Uh, sometime, like, a little bit later. And no, no, uh, Corky's uh, at the office one morning just staring at, a, at the pictures, at the photos of all the presidents. Uh, allow me to interrupt and, your... Yeah. The... <laughs> So he does, you, you were right the first time. He, he gets a phone call at night and it is quirky and quirky sounding very distraught. He can, like he's, uh, it's a late hour. He even mentions like you hear him taking a drag off a cigarette and coughing and saying, I put these down 24 years ago, but I need yeah. them. And you know what? You're right. And I fucked this up. <laughs> It, oh, was, okay. no. it was well, it, it, the the office thing is really just kind of a hint at something because he's like he shrugs it off and like says that nothing's wrong but there's clearly something wrong. Yeah. Um, and then there's a phone call like later that yeah. day or like later that <laughs> night or like the next night or something. Um, I should so never we, doubt we, you, we, sir. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> um. So yeah, and, Corky's on the phone and basically saying like, uh, like who's the president? Like who's the who's the current president right now? Or or because like, I think it's the current president that's. Uh, who was who was the president after Richard Nixon, and then right, yeah. the uh, narrator Bob goes through a list, and then when he gets to Reagan, that yeah, is the actor. <laughs> yeah, the re- the actor. That is when you know whatever reserve that Corky has ends up breaking, and he ends up relaying this story of how he remembers it differently. How he remembers it being Jimmy Carter running against uh, George Bush Sr. Yeah, and Bush's career kind of getting screwed completely over, mm-hmm. like, and so it was a different person than Reagan or Reagan. Is it Reagan or Reagan? It's Reagan. Okay, Reagan. Um, sorry, Canadian. <laughs> it, it's all it's all good, sir. <laughs> um, and so yeah, he's. And the, this all stemmed from the fact that, like, he went to go check out this uh, this 
tenement building and this guy's like rich little this guy's like seemingly like plush uh a basement uh apartment that he has yeah um and the guy's just sitting there middle-aged like uh like a little slow watching uh movies um some of which have Reagan in it. Yeah, he <laughs> and he's. Yeah. I was going to say the Sorry. movies that he was uh, watching were he's watching like a Turner Classic Channel, so just like older movies, right, yeah. and he's watching um, Bonzo. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to find a name. Do you have that offhand? I do not. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's. I'll get to it in a second, but it's basically a movie where somebody is has a diaper. On a monkey raising it up. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh shoot, I can't remember. Bad, uh, bad, bedtime for Bonzo. Yeah, bedtime for Bonzo. <laughs> yeah. Found it, and yeah. uh, that was a movie. It had Ronald Reagan in it, and Ronald Reagan didn't really have such a stellar uh, acting career. And yeah. uh, then he, our ner- like Corky, excuse me, reflects on how this man who was in a movie with a monkey and a diaper was the president of the United States. Um, because, uh, the hobo, uh, who don't get a name, Mm-mm. I guess it doesn't really, it doesn't matter that much. No. Um, says that, uh, like, oh, that's, that's the president. And it's like, yeah, like that's going to be the president. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he goes home or he leaves and sure enough, the president is Reagan. Yeah. So he, he's starting to put things together and like that this guy has some crazy God power that allows him to like bend reality. Um, or at least like make him make whatever he says truth, yeah, like, absolute. Um, and so he has to like he's going to go put him down, uh, and hangs up the phone. And Bob, uh, worried that his friend is about to go um, like ruin his career, uh, breaks traffic laws and regulations to like to get there in time to try and stop him. Um, and gets down to the basement to see Corky pointing a gun at the hobo. Yeah. Um, and basically just. Uh, I think it, it like before anything happens, like anything like is really said. Um, the hobo just tells him that like he has to go. Yeah, and then, and then you get Corky like, just kind of you get oh yeah you get like a, a little taste of his power. So when he says to Corky, "You've got to go," there is like a thrumming kind of buzzing sensation or sound. I, it almost a reverberation in the air, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And then he can like Corky just leaves. Just he's compelled yeah. to. Um, and then I think at this point, Bob's like, tries to like questioning the guy, like what, or yeah, he tries questioning the guy, um, about what, what he said, what, like about Corky and stuff like that. And then he gets really frustrated. Like the, the hobo kind of gets annoyed because he's like trying to watch his shows. Yeah. So he just says like, don't worry about Corky. Corky doesn't exist. Yeah. And that's when the dread kind of drops as like, ah, oh. and then you just see the guy just like book it upstairs to find that, uh, Corky's gone. His car's gone. In a panic, he drives to Corky's house, and it's a different family living in the house. Um, and he realizes that Corky's just been wiped from existence. Uh, so, and, uh, yeah, the, the house is gone, The yeah. everything's gone, and... Oh, yeah, they even go to the office. Yeah, a different person. And it's a different person. Yeah. yeah. And uh, um, then, do we actually get to where... He, does he immediately go back there, or does he go back the next day? I can't... I th- I think it's a um, like a blur. Like he doesn't remember what happened between that and getting there, but he just remembers uh, being back at the, like arriving back at the house or back at the tenement building. Um, I'm just checking right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember much of the next little while, but my next clear memory was standing in the front of the damned, crumbly old tenement <laughs> building. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's sneaks down there and the guy's sleeping yeah. uh, like a slob. Uh, and he tries to wake him up and then fires a shot over like on the, at the headboard yeah. to wake him up and demands that he brings Corky back. And that's when we kind of get another set of the rules to his powers is that once he says something, it cannot be, re- it cannot be, um, contra- contramanded or contradicted. Uh, yeah, um, he says, and I quote, well, here's, yeah. here's a passage and I'll give Go it, I'll give it to you. My narrator voice. He shrugged already said he isn't real. No take backsies. If I did, then I'd be making myself a liar. Either I was lying then, or I'd be lying now. He shrugged. Can't do it. And uh, yeah. this is and this is my favorite line. I'm going to get to this one here. With horror, I realized what he was saying. Whatever his power was, it meant that he was stating the truth. Anything that wasn't the truth became the truth. But if he had said it, then he fixed truth. He couldn't contradict himself because he had then he had to be a liar and it would, I guess, unravel everything that he has done, which is a really unique way of, of doing this. Yeah. Like would it, would it unravel the universe itself or would it just unravel? Like, like just re- reverse everything he did <laughs> is the thing. We'll, 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 we'll get on to that at the end of <laughs> <Yeah>. the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, being very, uh, and then he tells, um, uh, Bob, he wants to go to sleep and to go away and, Grief, uh, in his grief, he just says, no, he just states no. Um, and then the guy's just like gets angry and starts to say something, but then, uh, Bob fires a shot in his chest. Um, yeah. Perhaps in his lung. And he, and, <laughs> uh, and it's, it's a weird kind of juxtaposition. Uh, uh, I can't even say that word apparently now, juxtaposition when he shoots him. So. He starts doing that thing the hobo does. He goes, you shouldn't be here. I don't want you here. And then we get the lead up to the power being used. Like there's the thrumming, uh, humming again. And then you start getting where he's actually getting ready to make a statement. You're not even a, and then boom, the gun fires. And it mentions, and this is why I said it's kind of bizarre. It says that the hobo's face is frozen in a comical mask. His mouth is a big O. Just for a second, I thought he looked like an inflatable sex doll, and I almost burst out laughing. It's, I don't know. It's quite a, it's like a dark humor to it. Yeah, and it's, if you, I don't know if you've ever, in, in a real life occasion, been in an instance where it was almost like life-changing, like, say, a, a car wreck or something like that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I can remember, like, spinning on the road when the driver fell asleep and actually we all fell asleep in the car going to a concert in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh. <laughs> and when I woke up, I see the car, like the surroundings is spinning. And before I could even panic and say, Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It was like, huh, this is bad. And then, you know, just this detachment, which is one of the things I think that, uh, the highlights of this little story for me, just the, the realism to it. Uh, you're doing this horrible thing of, you know, killing this otherworldly, creature but at the same time you're thinking about a sex doll yeah it's like huh it reminds me of my uh, it reminds me of that time that i saw that inflatable sex doll (laughs) 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 that's for another story (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah no i I get that like like you you try to like your mind tries to um uh rationalize horror with with comedy or yeah or like tries to like cover it up with something that isn't horrific and then um yeah. I, I'm gonna steal, I'm gonna steal your thunder here because I really want to mention that, like, you know, he starts to say, "You didn't shoot me," and a 
uh, and there's a comparison when we talk about this guy in a moment that I want to kind of make with him, but it said he said it in a childish voice. You didn't shoot me at all. You shot your, and then we have the final shot where he puts a bullet into his face and his jaw explodes. And yep. we have the, the death of the hobo. Yeah. Yeah. He just keeps firing shots into him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we should, appoint, uh, I'll just quick point out that the, uh, the form, the previous wound, he says like, you didn't shoot me. So like, it actually like goes away. Yeah. But then it doesn't matter. Cause he just gets yeah. <laughs> blood, blood splattered all over the place. <laughs> And he, and he um, completely disables the only means that this man has to actually inserting his will over reality, which would have been yeah. his mouth. Yeah, he has. He got rid of the somatic component <laughs> <laughs> to be a D and D player for a second. <laughs> um, and then Uncle Bob um, drinks the cold coffee because they were drink. He had a coffee at the very beginning of the story, yeah. and then is drinking that, and then uh, chases it down with some Jim Beam that he's been drinking as well and talks about like how basically he didn't get any, like he never got any kind of like uh, repercussions to this. Yeah. Um, uh, the hobo and like the whole place basically got covered up um, probably through like the government agency. Yeah. And um, the only person that knew that Corky existed was him. Uh, and he went, I think he went back and checked the records and Corky's mom, yeah, Cor- at the time of his birth, had had a miscarriage. Yeah, Corky's mother has a miscarriage, and it totally, yeah. like, which totally reminds me of that horrible movie with Ashton Kutcher in it, uh, Butterfly Effect. Oh, yeah. Which. Who could forget that, that <laughs> abomination? <laughs> <laughs> it haunts me still to this day. <laughs> well, that was a Twilight Zone, or Outer Limits episode, I think, too, wasn't it? I, b- or- I believe it was. I'm kind of digging back through my high school years of watching the sci-fi channel before it became giant snake versus big anaconda and yeah or Sharknado Shark- 5000 oh jesus yeah it's, the qualities <laughs> went way downhill yeah um so is there anything oh oh yeah there's go. the um yeah sorry then we get the the uh, a little bit more like basically what happened after the story um uh, after he tells the story uh, he's basically like ready to go to bed. Um, they kind of have they have a hug moment, yeah, because of like how sad that whole thing was, mm-hmm. and he still has regret that like he misses Corky because yeah. it was like one of his friends. Um, and then we get the our narrator, um, uh, the, the 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 nephew, uh, retailing how how Bob basically passed away a few months like um, a few months later, yeah. like after suffering a stroke and cancer finally succumbing to him, or he finally succumbing to the to the cancer. <laughs> Um, there's 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 really a lingering horror left here, and I didn't yeah. notice on my, it on my first read. And actually, an hour ago, when I read this, you know, one last time before we sat down to do this, I want to point out maybe the second or third last paragraph here. But he uh, he mentions uh, speaking of Bob, he sipped uh, more bourbon. I tried to go back to work, but everything was wrong. I kept misdirecting mail and people. I mean, and calling people by the wrong titles, and people were noticing that I wasn't on top of my game. I like that. It yeah, just because how much it, more damage did this guy do than like? Well, it, I, is it is it like is it what the guy did to him, or is it just like the uh, overwhelming grief and like revelation of like what the guy was capable of, but also like the loss that the, the, like how easy uh, this guy was able to just wipe things away. Yeah. 
yeah, uh, or like yeah. change like whole like history basically. <laughs> yeah, it could, it could definitely be both of those. It could be that he's misremembering things, or may uh, that have actually changed in that world, or maybe oh, okay. he is just second guessing everything. Like his whole yeah. foundation has been uprooted. Yeah, because that would definitely like this is a very traumatic situation. Yeah, so yeah, it would make you definitely be doubting yourself after such a thing. <laughs> So this um, was like one of my yeah. first forays into creepy pasta in uh, 2018, and yeah, <laughs> definitely I, I, it made an impression on me. Yeah, I remember you you told me about it. Um, I believe at Gen Con. Yeah, we were. Or, it was or, Saturday yeah. at Gen Con. We were gathering about yeah. there. And uh, I, I took a look at it afterward, and I was like, "Yep, this is Delta Green. <laughs> this is this is this is prime fodder for that." Um, I've actually like rereading it. Uh, I actually have some notes on how you could do it in other systems. I would love to hear um, it because I recently ran it in uh, Delta Green. But yeah, before we do that, is uh, I don't know if I'm breaking protocol on this. Like, do we want to? Is there any kind of summarization that we should do on this? Um, yeah, we will, well, we just, just did the rundown, so we could do, like, um, yeah, well, we can do some, like, uh, some actual, like, some thoughts on the story itself before we go into, okay. uh, game theorying and <laughs> scenario, yeah. um, craft work. Yeah, that, that sounds great. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, uh, well, grammar inquisitions is, is something we usually do, um, because, and people expect it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but, in, in all honesty, um, and I'm sure my, my, my co-host, my, my usual co-host will, could disagree with me, but you know what? They're not here. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> um, apart from a few minor grammar issues I saw, like spaces not being there um, between two words, or um, I think the couple of times he says um, uh, old habits died hard. Yeah. I think, I think it should be old habits die hard. Like, I don't know if it needs to be past tense. Yeah. But um, saw- other than that, aside from those, I didn't really find, I personally didn't find anything noteworthy um, wrong with the grammar. No. So it was, it didn't like, I didn't trip up over anything. I'd notice a few words that were used, like sentence to sentence, like, you know, not like the, then and it, but I've just noticed a couple of things that, you know, it just stuck out to me just from somebody who has in the past worked as an English teacher and I just saw the same words being re- repeated. So maybe right. could have done with the usage of a thesaurus. I think my main complaint, and this is, a thing that I feel it was built into the story was the uh, depiction of the hobo himself. Okay. The there is. A, are you familiar with uh, uh, Faulkner? The I'm not. <laughs> his his big his big seminal works are um, as I lay Di- as I lay dying, which they made into a film, and The Sound of the Furies. So this is just this is something over here in America that we're like, hey, you need to read American literature, and we haven't been around since you know 1776, so we don't have like a rich canon. So we just kind of, you know, we take what we got. And Faulkner wrote, and you may have actually heard the expression of the Faulknerian idiot manchild which is referring to Faulkner's depiction of people with uh, like special needs. Like, you know, gotcha. And there was just, it's kind of the crude uh, wordage in describing him. Like the, the other worldly thing he's described as a simpleton. And he's also like an idiot. I'm trying to find the actual words and stuff like that, which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, 
like not very PC, I guess. <laughs> not not PC, but I can see what they were going for with this mm-hmm. because it, this is almost like Mythos meets of Mice and Men so much. So you, oh God! <laughs> like you you had this this yeah. character, which there's at least two or three times in the story that uh, the narrator, well Bob. Not the narrator, but that yeah. Bob refers to this thing as being like I, I killed. He said I killed a man once. Well, maybe it was a man. So there's something otherworldly about this uh, antagonist, but he's also described as being very simple and childlike. But I also think that they're using the like making him a childlike kind of yeah, depiction here is also highlighting the evil like you know the creepy pet cemetery kind of child thing yeah yeah like the um uh yeah i think we actually said i think we brought that up um like off ca- off recording that like his power like almost seemed like it stemmed from like uh, like something like pet cemetery-esque mm-hmm. kind of thing like um yeah like it could just be that like his uh, like the child like like man child likeness could just be like a naivety yeah that he has like he just is not aware of his, of the like he's just not like aware of his of the repercussions or like yeah. doesn't see the world like the rest of us mm-hmm. like he just sees it like like oh like this it's it's just a game to him or it's just a story it's yeah. just like a narrative to him yeah it's no different than the tv that the, the character is always depicted as watching like he's and he's not yeah. even watching like you know current television he's watching an old movie from the black and white era where ronald reagan's with a monkey like it's it's nothing you know, gritty or hard paced or something like that, which for me is kind of great. I'm glad he was watching, you know, these little folksy TV shows like the Waltons or something like that, as opposed to, yeah. you know, CSI special victims unit or some like grim, dark thing like that. Or I think we brought this up again earlier, but um, what if we watched X-Files and that's why Delta Green exists? Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, Oh God, wouldn't that be great that he is the actual pivot point for everything. Like, like there's your dark revelation from uh, if for your Delta Green game. It's just you see, like you see, he's he was watching X Files, and some of those things, like oh, I remember, like a character. I remember, I remember one of our our, empl- our, our agents was like this. Oh, <laughs> have you noticed in this that there is a huge thing with identity within this story? Yeah, like trying to like like falsehoods and stuff of that because like. We have the names that we are given, but they are not their actual names because of um, ambiguity. Or uh, there's probably another word for that. Um, but just to like hide their names so that like from so that people don't like go looking or anything yeah. like that, um, and so, protect them. And then there's also like the name changing and altering from of reality for in the actual story. Yeah. And we mentioned yeah. this a little bit earlier. Like we have this wiping of identities. Like you know, narrator is never his name's never given. Bob has a different name. Yeah. And this is even before we actually jump into the second part of the story, which is Bob retelling it. Then you have yeah. Paul, who is not Paul, and then you have Corky, who Bob changes the name of. And yeah, and then we don't we never get a name for the hobo, um, or. Uh, uh, and then even like some of the names they, they do they mention like who is uh, uh, who Corky gets replaced with or no it's, then that, oh, that's, yeah, they, yeah that's the greatest part about this this is almost like uh, for those of you listening at home I want to apologize I went to college to be an English teacher so I like I have been shoved literary theory and so forth for quite some time but it's the whole story is subjective and yeah. 
uh, you know, the narrator's telling you his, and then you got the subjectivity from Bob, and you just had this from everyone involved in the story that is of consequence, which would be Bob, narrator, and a hobo. They're changing the names. They're changing the facts. It's just there's this yeah. meta level on this here that I just really dig. Nice. Yeah. I oh, know. Yeah. By all means, uh, like uh, when it comes to like theorizing, because and from your background, like by all means, like talk away about that. Cause yeah, <laughs> I find that really interesting. Um, There's a... yeah, I just really dig the, uh, the meta commentary, I guess of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, actually I do have something, a couple of my actual thoughts are kind of tied to a meta, co- a social commentary, I think on this story. Oh. <laughs> um, cause, uh, yeah. So it's like when he's talking, when, uh, Bob is like reflecting about like, uh, how he heard like a whoosh uh, or like when, um, he's talking to Corky, um, and saying that, like, uh, how about, like, how the guy said that, like, the president was going to be, uh, Regan, the actor. I just about, like, laughed, uh, like, burst out laughing. Um, no way a washed up old actor could be president of the United States, right? <laughs> right? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's the line. And I'm, my comment is, like, I'm pretty sure, like, I've heard this story before, like, the, the, these jokes before about Ronald Regan. Or Reagan, um, I think like Back to the Future does it. Like <laughs> Reagan, the actor, <laughs> who's the yeah. second? Like who's the uh, who's the the uh, uh, vice president? Like and then like says some other name. I can't remember it. Unfortunately, I'm not oh, that much well, of a, I'm not that much of a geek that, to know the exact like every word verbatim in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and, was, and then my my comment after that was like. It's like, I mean, like, who, like, oh, yeah, if actor, like, like, that's a, like, how can a washed up actor be, like, president? How can a business mogul become president? But, uh, but how could, but how could that happen? Oh. oh. Maybe there's another god hobo nearby. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then later in the story, um, there's this quote. The basement really was luxurious, but a bit tacky, like a Trump hotel kind of thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, when did this come out? August six, August twenty sixteen. Okay, carry on. <laughs> yeah, it's just like there's there's meta bits in the story, like that we were like, going on earlier about like the names changing and like uh, the subjective uh, viewpoints in the story. Yeah. And then there's the social commentary that was that may have had a, an inkling in the story, and and maybe that's not the case, but it's it's a little too close. Yeah. Here's something you missed, but it's like. Of course, this is like you, you'd have to kind of have American history to pick this up. The yeah. Let me read the passage. This is around the fifth page of it. Uh, it says, now this is after we're discussing how Reagan is president. I'm going to kill him. The hobo, I mean, not Reagan. What, can, what he can do would be dangerous, even in responsible hands. But there's something really broken inside of him. Reagan was, uh, there was an assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. In the 80s. Oh, really? By a man who was funny. I think his name was John Hinckley. Uh, there is a movie based on it, and you have Jared Leto playing the would-be assassin. I may be getting the name of the assassin wrong, but yeah, Reagan was shot in the 80s by a man who was trying to prove his love to Jodie Foster, I believe, by killing the <laughs> president. So okay. <laughs> the fact that, you know, I'm going to kill Reagan and then... You know, the fact that Reagan, there was an assassination attempt made on his life, like at least for me, like if I were wanting to make this like a creepy world and stuff like that, which is pretty creepy. But yeah, I was like, I wonder if that other guy, like maybe there was a hobo back then. Yeah. 
Just again, these god hobos. Oh god, they're everywhere. I mean, you can't turn around without running into one. And you've got this. Going back to what you were talking about earlier, the there's this horror in this thing that your identity is malleable to an extent, like way people see you is malleable, and the horror yeah. is of losing yourself, at losing your identity. And, you know, maybe even your perception of reality as it is like after this, after the story ends, you even have the narrators or Bob, excuse me, his life just goes down a drain. He's he's getting stuff messed up and things like that. And as far as like, it's almost like. Sorry, it's almost like he, I think he I guess he comes like an expat mm-hmm. like after he leaves the agency or yeah is that or at least he like goes what that is? to uh, Australia to you know spend the time with his remaining family also yeah I like how they use this the more English spelling of words in here we were critiquing like the negatives I like the fact that we have an Australian narrator who is spelling mm-hmm. like color with a u in it and yeah, you know, well, things like that's that. That's also how we do it up here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we, we, I, I think that's the, um, it's not Imperial. It's the um, Commonwealth, I think, way of doing it. Yeah. The Queen's English. <laughs> but it, it was immersive to me. Just I was like, that's not yeah. how we spell that. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, after the, <laughs> the whole social commentary thing, um, <laughs> there's a, uh, also the like, yeah. So uh, so there's a quote where it's um, what he can do. Yeah, you you actually mentioned it. Uh, what he can do is dangerous, uh, even in the most responsible hands. Um, but there's something really broken inside of him. Maybe nobody is meant to have a power like this, and it's broken his mind. And it got me wondering, like, did this did this man always have this power, or was he a, and was he like perhaps a simpleton or like that mentality? If that is the case, like the case of it, was that before after he gained the powers or perhaps was he a cultist to some greater force and went uh and went that way when he received his gift kind of like the un- in like a call of cthulhu or delta green game like uh or the idea of like cultists like gaining like power and then like basically going even more mad or like just snapping in a, in a, like mentally in a way yeah well the only hypothesizing um, that the story does on this matter is saying that someone said it looked like he was dropped on his head as a child yeah which, yeah, it doesn't like, I, I, yeah, it doesn't really isn't very favorable to those to to people like like that are have those un, yeah. unfortunate like issues, um, but I mean it's also fiction, yeah, and um, and a horror story, yeah, yeah <laughs> so. and I wouldn't even hypothesize to say that the narrator you know would not narrate but the writer would even have these harbor these kind of feelings. It's just yeah, the way that these characters are interacting with it. I mean, they're there's something broken about each one of them really yeah yeah exactly and they all like they are, they're all changed by these events um like mo- not just like oh like no like the like reagan's the actor or the the president what the hell and then but like they're all like shaken like to their core basically by what happens to them like through the with this power yeah. so um there was something inter- the, oh go yeah, ahead sorry oh i was just saying um there's also like i kind of this reminded me of the um the treehouse of horrors uh, segment from Simpsons and yeah. the movie or the the, t- the episode it was based on from the Twilight Zone. Uh, it's a good life. Yeah. Um, but I knew it more from the Simpsons where like Bart it can real- change reality uh, with God powers yeah. <laughs> or like psychic abilities and stuff. Um, it's an idea that isn't like I don't think it's like utilized a lot 
Um, like it's like those two or three like sources, I think are the only like times I ever really see that idea kind of used. Yeah. And some of it's even comedy. Like yeah. if you see some film like my name is Bruce or someone like that, where the character is given godlike abilities, it's usually not done in this horror aspect. And it's usually like, Oh, we're going to teach you a life lesson. Like, you know, love was at home the whole time or, you know, blah, 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 blah kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I should be yeah, a Bruce Almighty. It just yeah, that that one's like basically take it the other way where it's not like terrifying. It's just like kind of comedic, except for when he does terrifying things with it. <laughs> yeah, um, like bring the moon closer for it for to have to have a romantic night. <laughs> um, and the yeah, like the the, the Twilight oh, Zone yeah. version of uh, Life is Good or what was it called again? And uh, it's called um, a life, or uh, oh, I had it right here. Uh, it's a life. It's a good life. It's a good life. It involves like a woman who is traveling the countryside and ends up at this farmhouse, and this this godlike child with similar abilities is just like has a family that's not even really. I don't know if I think there may actually be his family, but he has some hostage to his every yeah. whim and. Yeah, his... they're basically slaves to him because, like, and much like how the the hobo in this one, like, has that luxurious plush like basement uh, apartment. Yeah, like he just he wants things and they just they appear or they like they have to like follow him otherwise he could like wipe them from existence. Yeah. Uh, and actually, apparently, tw- the when they did redid the Twilight or when they brought back the Twilight Zone, there was an it was it's still a good life. Yeah. Uh, episode where it's not uh, it, it's the 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 boy from the from the fir- from the first episode. Um, grown up. In fact, I think they even use the same actors. And it's his daughter now that's exhibiting the same kind of powers. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I was just like really commenting on like the fact that like it, it's one of those ideas that doesn't get a whole lot of use, but it it like there are prominent uh, examples of it. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see another like another story that tackles it. Um, there was this really weird thing. I think we've also kind of glossed over. Uh, mm-hmm. A moment ago, but there is, I noticed in the beginning of this story, and it, you see it at the end as well. And let me pull up my notes. Okay. So we have this, uh, all right, at the beginning of the story, the, the uncle was eating ice cream, drinking champagne. And, yeah. uh, as you know, described, he has like a big bowl of ice cream. Then the narrator sits across from him. And uh, with a sly smile, the uncle slides a tub of ice cream across the table with a spoon sticking out of it like an antenna. All right, so think mouth for a moment. Next paragraph, yeah. you go, like when the guy starts eating the ice cream, he goes, I put my mouth to better use, eating a spoonful of ice cream and crunching on a, a piece of macadamia nut. Uh, and then he actually kind of starts choking on it. So you, like an antenna is used, and this is where I kind of was reaching, I feel like. But the, an antenna you know, used to transmit or broadcast. So you literally yeah. have like our narrator taking this man's story or means of communication and ingesting it in sorts. So you had the mouth. The hobo, he speaks, and what he says becomes gospel, so to speak. And so you had that mouth deal. And then when the hobo is finally silenced by being shot in the mouth. Yeah. At the end. And then so it's just, later on when we get the description that, oh, oh, yeah. And then even like take that way, um, the, the way the hobo is shot does kind of, um, is represented with, um, 
how the uncle dies or like pass or like how, how he like lives the like the last like his last couple of days. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, he has, he has so lung we, cancer. He's shot in the chest. Like the hobo was shot in yeah. the chest, but. And then, oh. uh, the hobo is shot in the mouth. And, uh, before he uh, succumbs to the cancer, he, uh, suffers a stroke like a month before, uh, which allows, which renders him speak, like uh, unable to speak at all. Yeah. Like the hobo is like rendered speechless. <laughs> so there's, there's this whole duality here. And that, that like, yeah. I wasn't expecting this on something I found on a Reddit page. Primarily, yeah. you'd be surprised um, with group busts sometimes. <laughs> like sometimes there's some really like like thought provoking ones. Uh, sometimes and then other times it's like you know oh here's my OC killer character or my OC monster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's ones that really do make you think. Um, actually, another good one is uh, that wasn't my husband sleeping next to me uh, last night. Yeah, I, you posted that one um, maybe yeah. a couple weeks ago or a month or two. Um, we posted it on. Uh, we had it on our Patreon episode because uh, our uh, my two co-hosts have been doing a special Patreon episode uh, series where they touch on the stories that they didn't do beforehand. Yeah. Um, but that was that was one, that was when we me and uh, Doctor Leviathan did like I think in the first like thirty episodes uh, okay. of the show. So it's it's like one of the older ones. Um, but yeah, like uh, for this one, yeah, I didn't even like think about the antenna until you like mentioned it with the uh, like that descriptor. And yeah, the kid, the the narrator uh, is basically the um, the vessel or the rec- the conduit for the story yeah. being told, much like an antenna. <laughs> Which this is like a really cool kind of setup too, if you want to think about how horror goes, because this is not. I mean, this is kind of framed like H.P. Lovecraft would frame. Call of, how he framed Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu, yeah. Which you got with the uncle telling yeah. the nephew. Yeah, and then we, in fact, as uh, people listening to the story, are actually brought in to the narrative as well, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's like basically all just coming full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most of my other, my, the rest of my stuff um, is uh, some ideas for the, uh, for game scenario stuff. I'm, Cause I'm exhausted. Uh, generally I enjoyed this, the read. Cause like we said, uh, it is fairly like thought provoking. Um, and you really do get some dread. Like uh, even though you know that, that something bad happens to Corky, when the guy says that he's gone, um, and he like, and and you're and like, you know that like when he says that, that's true. Like that means it changed reality, and you're just like, oh shit. <laughs> and then Bob runs outside, but you already, as a reader, we already know what's happening. Yeah. And Bob's just going through the motions, and it's but it's still like kind of like terrible and dreadful, um, like, in terms of like the horror aspect of it. And I like that. Yeah. Like even though we know what's coming, it's still not. It's still a good ride. And is it any less? Is yeah. his friendship with Corky any less real now because Corky never existed? Kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. Like he he may be the only he's the only one who knows it, but he still has all of those memories of like with Corky and stuff. So like, is he any less real? Um, aside from the fact that you know he's been ripped from the timeline. And you know maybe this is if we're going to take one like positive uplifting thing from this story and apply to our daily lives because you know chicken soup for the soul kind of thing like that like it's you know when people pass on in our lives or are no longer a part of them in some shape form or fashion it is kind of our duty our to keep them alive in our memory and in our hearts so to speak so that yeah. they keep existing yeah exactly like you still have those memories like yeah even when like uh, like a grandparent or somebody or an uncle dies yeah um you still have the me- the good memories as well as the bad uh, but like you can cherish the good memories yeah um to like 
to keep yourself up and like don't remember them. My our saying of uh, like one family saying we have up here is, or at least for me, uh, is um, don't uh, like when my grandmother was uh, uh, basically passing away. Like it'd been a couple. Uh, she was uh, she had she was suffering from Alzheimer's uh, for several months uh, before she finally went. Um, I don't remember her like she was then. I remember her like years prior because that was like when she was the most alive. Yeah. And like, I, I choose to, ch- I choose to remember her for that. Not, you know, um, what that, like, cause what they're going, what yeah, they went through. Yeah. It's just exactly. Cause like that, like that, like the person was my mom, was my grandmother, like on the bed there, but it wasn't my grandmother. Yeah. It was the, the person years before was more my grandmother. And they can take, yeah, they if, can take that person from us, but they can't take what we, we hold of them. Yeah, in exactly. us. And on that cheery note, <laughs> an uplifting note, <laughs> let's go into some, uh, I guess, um, yeah, because you, you, uh, you were saying that you were planning on using this for a um, uh, an RPG scenario for uh, role-play exchange. Yeah. Is and it role, is, it's role-playing exchange, right? Yeah, role-playing exchange. Okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was basically the premise of our conversation. So I ran, in, ran into yeah. you at Gen Con. I, I had seen you in passing. We had been in the same conversations, but I'm, I'm honestly really glad that we sat down and had that conversation. I left that conversation with a new friend, and yeah. uh, I was talking about how I wanted to use this creepy pasta as fodder for a Delta Green game, which is yeah. a and the creators of Delta Green would probably well they wouldn't probably they would very much frown upon my description, but I would give you the reference point if you're not familiar with Delta Green, is that it is kind of a smash up of Cthulhu and the X Files, despite the fact that Delta Green existed before the X Files did. But yeah, yeah, because it was like the nine like nineteen ninety one or something like that, right? Or was it yeah. It like it was developed like really early nineties. Yeah, they, yeah, you you have, you have the more information. Sorry. No, no, I, I really don't. I just act like I do. But yeah, it okay. was the early nineties when I did that. I think someone may have even still been in college at the time. So yeah, I took this basic scenario seed of what if somebody had the power to like whatever they say changes reality around them. So I did a little bit of quick research and I thought, well, the god and the uh, Cthulhu mythos that that would probably work best with would be Azathoth. So yeah, that was my starting point. Now since we've had that conversation, I have uh, created and ran this playtest scenario. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to try to launch it about the same time that you post this episode. So if you're listening to one, would awesome. like to check out the other, please come over to the Real Point Exchange. And yep. uh, the link is in the description below. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And yep. Um, I had mixed feelings about how it all went, but I would just kind of, it's, would it be okay if I gave you like a generic, not generic, but a general kind of setup of how I use this information to craft a game? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Um, I will actually preface this. Like, uh, if you don't want, I guess, spoilers for the, the game, um, go check out the game mm-hmm. first. We'll, we'll wait. Pause right now. Yeah, pause now. We'll wait. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. Uh, so basically, the way I, I set it up is um, I was thinking back to how, like, what would be a nice, scary introduction? And the story itself, the introduction is Paul. Well, yeah. once you get the introduction to Bob's story, is Paul is loss of identity. So I was thinking, what would be a cool way that I could do this? And I don't know if – have you seen these uh, videos on YouTube where – 
uh, a parent is returning back from their service over in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever, and uh, they're reunited with their child at... Um, then the child doesn't uh, like quite remember them, or they ha- they're ali- they're uh, kind of alienated from the. Well, that's that's what I ended home. up doing. But I took the idea of yeah. just like they met at a school assembly, and the mother has returned from war, and it's like, oh, mommy, like nice touching thing that you see on Facebook and YouTube, and yeah. I, I did just what you said. I just made it to where this person was not remembered by their child as going away to war. And in fact, they were remembered as abandoning them and their father. And so it was, so that was the idea. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I definitely remember Actually, it's, it's weird that you say that. Cause that's, that's kind of, kind of what happens in alien Resur- in alien versus predator requiem yeah. <laughs> with the, with the mother coming back from the war and like the daughter, like being estranged to the mother, like not at like, like they, yeah. Um, like, I guess because it's like so much time had passed, like, or like so many months had passed, like since their service, like the, the, the daughter is like just kind of very, uh, cold to the, the mother Yeah. at first. Um, not to, not to belittle the, that situation with a really bad movie. No, but it you know, gives it a good <laughs> but yeah, it's, reference point. Yeah. Now trying to make like, this wouldn't be something to follow on the radar of a, uh, like conspiracy government agency. So... I actually made the woman who returns home and like is not acknowledged by her child anymore as being a member of Delta Green. So, like, even though her records of armed service duty and her existence in this the uh, Delta Green organization were stricken, she still had information on the the agency, and I had the operatives in this game go out to investigate it, which through just trying to tie everything up together, I had a bunch, I kind of framed it whereas they investigated the YouTube channel, and if you go far enough down in the beginning, it's message like, oh, that's sweet, yay, that's so precious, your daughter's lucky to have you, thank you for your service, to flipping a light switch and it just turning like violently negative about her, about yeah. still on Valor and things like that. And they end up uh, in this scenario, tracing it down to uh, West Union, Ohio, which I usually set all my Delta Green games in Ohio, just because my good friend Greg from Technical Difficulties is from Ohio and I live in Kentucky and, you know, I'm kind of an asshole, but that's the only way I know how to show my love. <laughs> nice. <laughs> love you, Greg. But, so, yeah, that's how I kind of base this whole deal. And I won't say too awful much about this, but I do want to point out something in the story on a reread that really it's must have affected me on a subconscious level that I didn't realize. Like, by the time I ran this game, or created this scenario and ran this game, I forgot about the mention of Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. Yeah. But I thought to myself as being this nice little leftist podcaster in the Appalachian mountains of Kentucky, like, wouldn't it be really terrifying if the president of the United States was decided by somebody who watched Fox news or some crazy, very right wing (laughs) uh, news outlet. And yeah, I, so I have, uh, I probably, you know, and those who've listened to the scenario kind of pick up on this. I probably shouldn't have went too heavy with that because it it became a bigger focus of that game than I wanted it to be. But yeah, I had 
basically this um, simpleton character with these godlike powers was uh, that was kind of the result of a a cultish experiment for Azathoth was befriended by a very conservative right wing like uh, you know political believer kind of deal like that and mm. uh, she starts her uh, beliefs start you know bleeding over to this guy so oh god <laughs> I, I didn't want to make the hobo character like bad necessarily i wanted to give my players an option of um not lenient him to use the of my some men kind of reference yeah yeah because i mean he is in this in the in the story he's not he's not entirely unsympathetic because like he's treat he's he's Played off as he's like, imposed like upon not... by people. They want him out of his house. Like exactly. if he has been left yeah. to his own uh, devices, devices um, I mean, he still would have messed stuff up. But he wasn't like malicious in his actions. I guess. Yeah, not until he got angry, and then really, that's just like vindic- like that's something like any human would have, like vindictiveness or like. And in, in his case, it's just kind of like a childlike yeah. um, carelessness. Now, one thing that I did very the... weird in this game, but I kind of was thinking back I'm like all right good old like quote unquote wholesome American values bootstrapped blah 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 the good old days kind of like mentality I was approaching it's like what symbolizes that so in my game I actually start tying in the are you familiar with the Andy Griffith show yes so that I'm familiar with <laughs> so I kind of end up doing like this Andy Griffith show Pleasantville thing oh god <laughs> so you know, I don't like for those of you who may want to turn around and listen to it. I I made some decisions. Uh, if you would like to voice, uh, you know, you know what I could have done better, like constructive feedback, always available. If you listen to the episode, just leave a comment. But so I kind of went a little off reservation and brought in Andy Griffith and Barney Five and Aunt B and all those nice, lovely Wait, characters. Like the actual characters. The. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the actual characters. <laughs> nice. So, you know, and that's the horror right there. <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking earlier when you were saying about the um, uh, the the person returning, like the agent, like the the, the one that like realized that like things are wrong, uh, thing. If you want to be really dark for Delta Green, um, make that a vignette with a with a um, with a bond. Yeah. And have the bond be the affected person, oh. or the bond that's like the bond that has the uh, the issue. So basically, just remove, basically like crush that bond <laughs> yeah. right off the get off the hop. God, you dark, beautiful <laughs> bastard, you. Yes, that's great. Like, see, and this is like I will go ahead and admit, like when I started the Real Point Exchange, going on almost three years ago, it was really I I, I had not ever ran a game. Yeah. I, I, this is just I want to join this big podcasting conversation, and as I <laughs> have ran Delta Green and games like that, I realized that it's all about how you frame it, and I really like that framing device right there of crushing yeah. a bond because I had the ops actually meet with a handler, and I made it an official mission, and then when you I think it's a problem with these type of games for their cell phones and TACnet and things like that. When you yeah. allow them access to other resources, it affects the way that they make decisions in a way that you like don't want it to go for the whole horror aspect. So, yeah, if it was a personal vendetta, this is off the books kind of thing, would have been a whole lot Just better. Do like a cal- 
Yeah, just do like the uh, like it, it's set in the it's set in the modern, but they're going cowboy because this time it's personal. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and for I guess the audience or for for people not know for Delta Green, cowboy is basically the illegal conspiracy of Delta Green versus the. I do in quotes, legit conspiracy of Delta Green, yeah, which is the, like the guys that don't have like funding from a government. They're actually like just doing this, like by shirking some like money, some funds from like everywhere to get like what they need. Yeah. And it's, there's no safety net. There's no one to turn back to. You're not working with yeah. the department of defense or whatever kind of deal. And yeah, but exactly. Yeah. Even I would take your suggestion even further and say, <laughs> If you could do a game like this in a scenario, if a character's been killed, bring them back, but only they remember what <laughs> previously happened, and the rest oh, of the God. characters and the player characters do not remember them, and then you kind of frame it around that. So, you know, maybe they didn't die. Maybe they were just rewritten in this line of history. Yeah. Um, I Also, like, if you wanted to have, like, a ha- the handler uh, briefing, have the handler... Um, be the one that realizes, like, as he gets into the, the meeting, he realizes all of his information is wrong, and he starts going nuts there, and then basically, like, have the debriefing go wrong. <laughs> See, everything um, you do sounds better than what I did. <laughs> I it's just suggestions, like, like room for improvement. Oh, definitely. I love it, man. I, I will definitely take these comments into consideration. Also, I'm not going to lie, now that, you, like, now that you've kind of said that uh, you legit bring uh, fictional characters into reality in in the game. I, I definitely want to watch it more, listen to it more, because I'm a sucker for <laughs> that kind of meta meta textual stuff. <laughs> and, and in the Twilight Zone episode, I drew an influence uh, from it because actually a girl, I, the main character's sister, he she angers him and he places her in a cartoon where I think she's it's been God, it's been years, but I think she was like devoured by a gigantic like Tom and Jerry style cat. Oh God! Yeah, it, it gets fucking dark when you have like so a kid dark. doing it. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um, is there anything else about the, the the scenario or? Yeah, that's a that's about it. I don't want to uh, say too much in case people didn't listen to our disclaimer. But all in all, like I had my, I I enjoyed what I did and I learned quite a bit from it. Like I will still when I rewrite this scenario and try to run it for a different group. I will definitely stick with the central core concept that was presented in this creepypasta of someone with childlike innocence, question mark, being blessed with like this godlike ability. And then just, yeah. So I'll redo a couple of things, but yeah, probably add your suggestions actually. Awesome. Um, another idea I just came to me, um, Rather than Azathoth, um, and like we're both familiar with uh, uh, one Caleb Stokes yes. <laughs> from Heaven on Games. <laughs> um, very dark uh, scenarios. Uh, go check out Red Markets, buy his book. Um, I just had a new supplement, Le Cabousier, kind of dating us a little bit, uh, yes. but it just released beginning of November. Yep. Um, and one of his first things he did was he put out a... Uh, Cthulhu or systems uh, systems free scenarios uh, of like horror in the Great Depression, and one of the creatures that stands out to me in that is not Is. Um, oh the, yeah, that was a good one. Literally, the reality bending creature itself, like the thing that is that is and is not. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think of like, what if like the rather than Azathoth, like have not Is as the uh, and like basically the 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 
the character that is like has the powers are, is basically just a vessel yeah. uh, in some ritual or cult or like cult activity. Or maybe just like he was born like like bonded to Nautius, uh, actually to even like borrow some more stuff from Arc Dream with uh mo- like add Monster and Other Childish things into <laughs> Delta Green. <laughs> where Ooh. the the character has a monster friend who is bonded to him yeah. and not aware of it. So Nautius is bonded to this guy or like this uh this it could be a child, it could be a um an older character. Um and just like be complete, like kind of oblivious to the repercussions that his monster is basically doing, like making everything he states as truth and fact. Oh yeah, and then you get to like the whole moral dilemma of, you know, the, he's essentially innocent, but yeah. you know, do I put he's him just, down? Exactly. Yeah. Like the only his only crime is that he's been involuntarily or like through birth or through uh, through some birthright or through uh, some mishap or something like this outer creature doing something. Um, he's been linked to this power basically. Yeah. But like, can you put, I, I remember, I actually remember, um, Delta greens, Adam Scott Glancy referencing like them having to put down a Carrie esque character. Uh, and they had to roll sand to like put a pillow over her face to like suffocate her. Oh, Lord. <laughs> like that kind of morality kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it could go really dark is what we're saying. <laughs> Yeah, there's no right answers. It's just like do you, yeah. the greater good kind of you know thing like that. Yeah. You also mentioned you had a couple of other games yeah. you were thinking of, um, like in certain this kind of scenario with. Yep. Um, so two things kind of came up uh, while I was reading the story. The first one was actually um, actually I guess you three ones if you include uh, unknown armies. Because I feel like I'm, no, I, I'm not very, I'm not 100 familiar with unknown armies. Based, I've just mm-hmm. listened to a couple of actual plays, but based on what I've heard of that, you could definitely like convert this to that kind of system. Yeah. Um, even have that like kind of be like the seed to when like characters, like maybe like the characters gain powers because this guy states they have powers, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because that's and that game I is kind of built with um, like avatars and stuff like that. You could even take like okay. a, more of a religious aspect and like the prayer and stuff like that yeah. and like you know the things that this person prays for comes true yeah but you know make, exactly. make it a monkey polish like oh yep it came true all right they're back <laughs> yep they're not bad but sometimes dead is better <laughs> um to, again to quote pit cemetery <laughs> um and then even uh arc dreams uh godlike setting uh with like uh Again, federal agents and like the army, uh, using being like superhero esque beings with like godlike, like god tier abilities. Uh, it's basically the same kind of setup. Like basically the FBI agents are trying to like stop this supervillain or like this, uh, hapless superhero, um, who has the ability to change like reality. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I had was Time Watch oh, from Pelgrim Press. I had Time Watch too. Um, I want to hear what you got for me. Uh, really, it's just like so. I mean, the game itself is kind of have a built has a built in thing for this because uh, there's chronological horror campaign frames where you can like basically just have horror like that ha- that has to do with time travel and issues. And in the the campaign, there is um, like the reason nobody goes back and kills Hitler is because Time Watch stops them. So basically, just have Time Watch just trying to deal with. Like they can never try, they, 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 this, like make this guy a little bit more like cagey in terms of like how like he's changing reality, so you have to go uh, back in time and fix the problems, and you're also trying to hunt down this guy. Yeah, and 
but for some reason, like he's like that obvious too. Like you're yeah. you're fixing this problem, and then as you keep plugging these holes, so to speak, like the thread develops that you can follow back to that guy. Yeah, like maybe like the, that's the campaign. Like as like the campaign's going through, um, you guys are repairing paradoxes uh, or inconsistencies in the time stream, and you're like what is causing these? <laughs> and you're like you're just trying, like, basically you're just CSIing and like trying to figure out where is the connection here. <laughs> and then you slowly start realizing that there's this this guy in the background that's just always there. Yeah, <laughs> or just like yeah, like even like and but and but like started off like really obscure. Yeah. Um, and then just bring him a little bit more and more, like make him like screw up a few times or maybe not even screw up, but like have him just like inadvertently like flub up like his, um, concealment in the, the scenario. Um, the, uh, and have him like be like basically unto- like he, he's undetectable through their like means. So they have to do it the old fashioned way kind of thing. Yeah. Like they have to go do some actual detective work, not use a fancy tricorder and, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the time anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the one thing I've, I've I've started noticing with that game is, <laughs> oh yeah, there's just 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 hand wave it with oh you, know, you got time stuff, <laughs> yeah, time devices. Oh, it's pulpy as fuck, but I I, I oh, love yeah. it. Just one of my favorite games to run. The uh, yeah, we we actually ran one on Halloween uh, uh, with Time Watch. Uh, it'll be probably posted on for the Patreons this month. So, um, ooh, I, well, where they that, ended up. Uh, hmm? I was gonna say I am definitely going to be checking out this game. Cool. Uh, yeah, they ended up, um, uh, I gave them a choice of either going, um, hunting for something, um, in the real world or going to the place where the thing was from to do some, uh, exotics, exotic sample recovery, yeah. i.e., uh, organ smuggling from an extra dimensional space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they chose the extra dimensional organ smuggling. <laughs> like you do. Uh, and, yeah, and basically that was where it was basically it was either going to be a time watch game or it was going to be a Knights Black Agents game with time watch characters. Ooh. <laughs> um, and it ended up being a time watch game primarily because they had they had to go through a portal and stuff to <laughs> another reality. Oh lord, I had a very my, silly game. My, oh, but, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I was just saying it was a very silly game. <laughs> uh, I tried to put horror into it, but my 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 group. Well, well, they were based on the reality they were going into. Um, silly shenanigans and laughter. It wasn't ever. It, it was. It was bound to happen. Oh yeah, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and that's the problem I have running horror games. Like I can do action, and but just trying to make something scary. Uh, it, it usually either the banter to table or just the way things go. It kind of always goes bonkers. The yeah. time watch idea that I had thinking about this is. Though I do want to clear something up with Time Watch. Uh, if you go back in time to assassinate Hitler and stop World War II, then regardless of what you do, worldwide nuclear war breaks out in the 1950s. So, so just stop. So don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, Basically, yeah. And by the way, you can't go back and stop the assassination of JFK because everyone who goes back in time to try to assassinate JFK comes back irreversibly mad for some reason, and we don't know why. So you know, maybe it's because of a god hobo. Oh god, <laughs> it all ties in. Because remember, like, so, his thing is like, like as long as he states things as fact, like he just says, like, yeah, this guy, this president has to die, and everything he says is truth. So like, you can't, he can't countermand himself, and neither can anybody else. So they just <laughs> go like nuts. Now I have Sorry. another scenario where you just basically are finding time watch agents that are just completely coming back from a mission, completely batshit crazy, and you've got to go into it from an indirect route. 
and not you know not to go in and directly fix the problem, but like you encounter the hobo like more organically, I guess you could say. But yeah, the idea that I like with Time Watch, what I love about it, it's like you just look at real historical things. There's like these little oddities, and just what if? So my idea of if I were going to use something like this is in real life, uh, Vice President Al Gore was roommates in college with Tommy Lee Jones from like Men in Black and, you know, the actor, right? Yeah. So what I'm thinking is what if somebody who is a fan of either of those men, like from the future, like more or less planted a device on this character and tried to right every wrong that ever was done against him. So say, for example, Al Gore, did something, screwed Tommy Lee Jones over. Well, boom, all of a sudden, Time Watch picks up that Al Gore was not the vice president of Bill Clinton. And, you know, then, well, how are we going to track it back to Tommy Lee Jones? And then, you know, just pick a couple other people from Tommy Lee Jones's life and say, well, what happened if this didn't happen? And then it would ultimately lead you back to Tommy Lee, which would then lead you back to the uh, rogue. The obsessive fan. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a way to do it without like just having like um, uh, a simpleton character, like because they're just it's it's um, a different kind of I guess um, issue that the character has. Yeah, that doesn't make it doesn't alienate like that kind, that group of people that like have those issues. I, maybe it was somebody that was just a fan and didn't realize that they were destroying yeah. everything else. Like they're not <laughs> killing Al Gore; they are yeah. just they do one thing to get back at him. To you know, avenge poor little Tommy, and then that had repercussions that trickle down the line and end up with him not being in this position that he is in our our time stream. So you could make it yeah. like the childlike character is the innocence, and instead of playing it up as a horror aspect, you just you know you can just like they're just innocuous mistakes that just have far wide-reaching consequences. Far reaching. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Uh, and and that was that was it, right? Yep, that's all I got. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, this yeah. When you when you brought this one up, and I like I read it, I was like, oh, this is perfect for Hobo Vember because <laughs> I we we did we've done Robo Vember for like two years now or two or three years, and it's we've run out of kind of stories that really have to do with like robots. Yeah. <laughs> Um, ironically enough, or like strangely enough, you think there'd be more um, out there, but um, and then real life kind of thing happened where uh, near where I actually work or near where I work, um, there is a uh, there was a hobo camp um, that it start that it, like a little commune had started and like we'd see fire like like in the woods um, behind our uh, parking lot and we'd see like fires at night and we'd hear chanting and like and like rabble like rabble going on. Um, and my mind, again, being Cthulhu infested with horror and stuff like that, just thinks like the worst <laughs> and just like, <laughs> there's a straight up like hobo cultist uh, cult going on out there. <laughs> Why am I not writing this creepypasta? <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, like basically like, it was just like, oh, we should, and like hobo vember, like, wor- like that works thematically or that works, uh, um, alliteratively <laughs> kind of, yeah. uh, we'll do that. <laughs> But then there's uh, like tr- you try to find like stories that have to do with like a homeless character or like focus around a homeless character either as 
Uh, I don't. I, I sort of like thing is like, oh, do do I really want to tackle stories that deal with, like make homeless people like a monster? Because that's not very like good initially. But yeah, well, I, I think, think for it, this story, it still kind of works. But that really gets at this big societal deal, like we yeah. have with the poor, and it's you know it's sad. It's the issue of these people scare us because they we could become them kind of deal. They're the ones yeah. that you know. That at least over here in America, politicians are uh, demonizing these people that are so poor that they need government assistance. And, oh, don't give that guy on the street corner any money because he's just going to take it and go buy alcohol, which was actually what I was going to do with it as well. But, you know, we're, we're not cast judgment toward me kind of deal like yeah. that. They're maybe, I don't know, let's, let's go deep on this and say that maybe there are insecurities, maybe there are. Fear of failure, not saying that people in these situations ended up by any, you know, wrongdoing of their own, but. Yeah, just like outsert, like either things that were uh, unfortunately like, like they're stuck in a situation that they can't, like, it, it's very hard for them to get back up off their feet or, um, like, like just stuff like that. Or like, yeah, like the society, the system itself failing them. Yeah, they're a reminder. They're a reminder yeah. of what we could become. And that's also kind of what, like, sometimes horror and creep, and not creep specifically, but like what the horror genre kind of does is brings those things to light to, like, they may treat them as monsters or they may treat them or, like, like have them, like, be the victims of monsters and so that. That's to kind of show, like, that real world commentary kind of thing. Yeah, we use the monster. Much like sci oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was just going to say, we use the monster in film, maybe subconsciously, as a, as a fear of the other. Like, in. T- Somewhere in my college experiences in a film class I took, I remember a professor pointing out that in times of war and strife that you have more monster films coming out because it's an issue of you have us against this otherworldly, like, totally alien thing. And then when in most stories the good guys beat the quote-unquote monster, then it's just a reassertion of our society's values. Yeah. Exactly, and it's just also kind of like um, how sci-fi is very much a commentary can commentary can commentate. Uh, I guess that's a word, maybe. Yeah. Um, on 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 social issues and stuff like like you can have like robots and like being like rebelling as like something in the society rebelling. Um, like the same thing with horror and stuff. So like for with horror, it's just a little bit darker. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, um, I'm working on something with Carney. So if you ever want to start doing carnuary, well, I know that's too bad of a pun. I don't know if you could justify that, but <laughs> oh, we could do it. We could do it. I, I, am, I, am, it, I love the uh, the gimmicks and the pun, uh, the punny things. So carnuary, just do it in February. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that would be great. Carnies. <laughs> oh, that's another layer, like clowns, and that, that's another fear I can touch on yeah. for my childhood <laughs> we call them scars sir <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think we've we've touched a lot on what can be said about the story and like what fodder can be used from it based off our original like conversation back at gen con yeah um uh i think yeah at the end of the day i totally recommend the story <laughs> oh yeah um bro like for for if nothing else for like a, it's a good read, and it's like kind of it's very thought provoking, kind of like an, a Twilight episode or an Hour Limits episode. Um, and his fodder, like again, like 
As soon as you, you you said that you're using it for a Delta Green game, and I read it, I was like, yep, this is Delta Green. <laughs> and then we've come up with, like, a bunch of other ideas for it for other systems, so. Yeah, like, you, the Delta Green thing, it, it ends on a dang Delta Green note when you're in Bob's narrative, because, hey, he just committed murder, <laughs> and he made a few phone calls, and it's swept and under the rug. And there's no mention, there's no repercussions, there's no anything. I, how many pe- places can you work at where you walk in and go, Hey guys, I just shot somebody in the face a bunch of times, and they're like, "We're on it." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and actually, one of my actually one of the notes I don't think I touched on earlier. Um, yeah, I just remember this quote. Is uh, like uh, he told me a few memorable stories from that period in his life, uh, but ingrained habits die hard. He never named the agency and always n- used nicknames for his colleagues. I've put together some clues, and I think I could take a guess at what agency it was. But I don't really know. It's one with a green triangle. I think it's called Delta Green. It was literally <laughs> my comment at like the very beginning of the story. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it just rolls back to to, to our gaming roots. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of creepy pastas I've read, and this is the first one that I actually created a PDF and wrote notes in the margins on. So it's definitely got my nice uh, seal of approval. Yeah. Um. All right, I think then that is probably about it for tonight. So, Sounds good. Um, yeah, so Adam, by all means, um, this is the point where uh, I'll go into my outro and stuff, but you can uh, promote uh, the role-playing exchange and anything else you're, you're doing right now. Okay, appreciate it. So those of you interested can find us at uh, the, excuse me, I don't even know my own address. You can find us at roleplayingexchange.com. We also have a Facebook page, you know, facebook.com slash the roleplaying exchange. Don't type in roleplaying exchange flat out because it's actually a different type of role playing and it involves a safe word. So that's not us. Oh, <laughs> just say it. I know that I've, I've had a few issues actually. Like, yeah, cause I've, I've had to Google, like, like find your page by Googling it. And I always get like some weird, like, Either the, the username cannot be found, or and so I had to like type in the full the role playing exchange. <laughs> we, we also have an issue where role playing is actually a, like they're two separate words, but we kind of combine them in so it messes with things a little bit. Uh, we also have a, a Twitter account. We're at RPX, I'll capitalize, and unless if it's exchange, so at RPXchange. And uh, we also have a Patreon running, so if you like what we're, you know, the actual plays and the RPG talkie episodes where we just discuss different elements in RPGs, that sounds really professional, the way I described it, then, you know, please come over there, check it out. We have an extra Patreon-only show called Beyond the Wall Patreon, where we talk about everything from video games to anime to stuff that I don't really feel comfortable broadcasting on your podcast because it gets a little a little racy. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> yes, because our show is so uh, <laughs> PG. <laughs> I meant to ask earlier if I could use fuck, but I, I went ahead and used oh, it for sure. twice now. So <laughs> Yeah, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I've Man, I appreciate it. I was excited when we had this conversation at Gen Con, and I've been looking forward to it. And thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm a fan of your podcast as well. I've basically been keeping up on most of the the podcasts that have come out of Roleplay Public Radio. (laughs) (laughs) 
of, of our of our little fan base of that. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like I loved. I I got onto yours when I think from the start with uh, the Fear itself game. Ooh, right. That's, uh, that was the, actually the, the LARPing. That was the first scenario. game I ever ran in my life. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and I've I've loved all the basically all the uh, the Cthulhu games, the Red Markets, 10K Lakes games. Um, well, thank you. I think my favorite one is probably um, not to not to. Uh, fanboy over something, but uh, it's probably um, the uh, Pleasure Cruise one. It was a Joel's. It was a uh, for Red Markets. It was a Joel's game. Um, Ooh, there's been a couple of those. It was on the. It was on the. Oh, Lake good lord! Yeah, yeah, that that was dark. It was that was a good one. I, yeah, I, I, I that one was definitely very dark. But like the the payoff at the very end, like damn. <laughs> that was my co-host uh, Chris. It was running that game and. You know, when when you're thinking of dark, depressing horror, like Chris has got that down to an art. Like he makes every decision yeah. <laughs> painful. Yep. Yeah. He he makes you work for those uh, those uh, the the the, point, the extra points that you need, for, like the will the will points in the game and stuff. Oh yeah. And makes you work for that uh, for the for every bounty in that game. <laughs> but um, even aside from those, like the the Delta Green games you run, I've been entertaining. Thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to the to listening to this one uh, to the uh, to the new one for uh, based off the story because I can't, can't wait to yeah, share it. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, uh, uh, yeah, no, 100. Uh, percent If you if you guys like actual play games, like, like listening to people play role playing games and recording them, by all means, check out the role playing exchange. <laughs> it has the cultist seal of approval. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Um, and. So yeah, if you have any, if you liked what you heard here, if you didn't like it, regardless, uh, send us a comment in the comment section below where this gets posted, whether it be on QB6, Facebook, YouTube, or Tumblr. Uh, we're on iTunes as well, uh, so leave us a rating and review. Let us help us spread like a mimetic virus. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter at Review Cultist. Uh, that's basically our creepy, our, our podcast's kind of go-to Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can also send us emails at aldenterigamortis at gmail.com. That's A-L-D-E-N-T-E-R-I-G-A-M-O-R-T-I-S at gmail.com. Where you can also leave us suggestions for other creep bosses you'd like to discuss on the show. If you have other ones on from Reddit No Sleep or any of the other uh, sites that store creepy stories from online, uh, let us know. And if you'd like to check out the title cards for each episode, you can check it out on crazonstudios.tumblr.com, crazon.deviantart.com, or on our YouTube channel, Al Dente Rigamortis, where you can check out the videos of each episode. Uh, and if you'd like to help support our show, you can go to Patreon, uh, look up Al Dente Rigamortis, and select the backer tier you'd like to support us at. Um, depending on the 2 to $5 tier that we have, we have special episodes such as Al Dente Real Talk, where we talk about videos and films uh, that either were the inspiration for creepypastas, um, were adapted from creepypastas, or... Uh, share we f- where we feel share like similarities in like genre and subgenre of horror and creepypasta esque uh, motifs, and then we have actual play rumors ourselves where we um, the usual co-hosts record uh, games of tabletop variety, uh, usually horror themed and creepypasta based or inspired, and we also have two from my co-hosts. Uh, Al Dente Reloaded and Al Dente Revelations, where they reread the stories that they read the stories that they were not privy to, and uh, have their own opinions and see if there's any revelations to be had from our from listening to our former episodes that they were not in, and also butcher my uh, the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And to our patrons that are already helping support the show, thank you immensely. You're helping keep those hosting bills at bay, and we very much appreciate that. And to the listeners and the authors of each story, thank you immensely. Because, well, without listeners, we wouldn't really have much of a show. And without the authors, we definitely wouldn't have a show without the stories. So, thank you immensely. Uh, until next time, I have been your host, Review Cultist. And I'm Adam from Roleplaying Exchange. And this has been Al Dente Rigamortis. Sleep well. Night.